Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, 8718 or 88. Right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are, positively different radio in the morning. You are with Lyle and Minnie. As we discuss the fate of Bartimaeus. Who's not dead. Who's not dead. That's right. Okay, there is Bartimaeus who is dead and there is Bartimaeus who is <laughs> not dead. Yes. So Bartimaeus, is, who is dead, is Bartimaeus from the Bible, who uh-huh. has died of old age many, 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 many years ago. Uh-huh. And Bartimaeus, who is not dead, is the blind snake that we had here in yesterday. our office yesterday. Yeah. Which is kind of cool. Despite some protests that some people wanted him dead. There, was, there was a number of votes for his demise. But it was not to be had. <laughs> no. He's happily, <laughs> happily living down the back now. Mm-hmm. What are you thankful for this thankful for oh, this morning? You know what? Yes. I was just saying to our producer Liam, I'm very thankful I got here this morning. <laughs> so my, my phone battery, it just dies. Like, it just very quickly. I'll be doing nothing. Anyway, so I took my housemate to the airport this morning. She's going back to West Oz and then she's moving to New Zealand. Very excited. So you had an early morning. I did. Yep. It was pretty early. Um, but what time uh, did you get up this morning? Look, I got up at four thirty. I didn't really need to, oh, but so I was bad. just dawdling. Um, and then we left at five, and I, then I, I took get up to the that hour every morning. Hey, well done, you! I went to bed at midnight, so I was like, <laughs> it wasn't <laughs> yeah, that yeah, late, but it was late enough that I was like, mm. but yeah. And so then I was like, hey, can we use your phone? And she's like, yeah, yeah. And I get there, I was like, sweet. And I looked down, and I literally hadn't used it. Like literally, oh, I said literally a lot. But woke up, ate breakfast. I'm doing nothing on my phone. Get in the car, drive to the airport, chill out, get back in. Anyhow. It died. No. I got here. I was like, Jesus, oh. I don't know why I made it through Newcastle. You're going to need to help me out. Got here with 4% battery and it stayed there for like 20 minutes. I was like, praise nice. the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> How are you feeling? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm here. Praise God. God is good. Absolutely. He's still alive. He still rules. You're listening to the Breakfast Joe podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Do you find that there's just something about something being free that makes it appealing? <laughs> Yes. I'm the worst. I'll be like, I don't even want that. But now you've t- – well, not anything. Not Terms and conditions apply. But, <laughs> but, but for the most part, if you tell me it's free, I'll be like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, in my head that was better. <laughs> <laughs> I love that terms and conditions apply. <laughs> Look. Look. Yeah. Don't apply that to right. everything in life. All right, Vinny, there's this thing called radio. Let oh, me yeah. tell you about how radio works. Oh, when you talk on radio, the whole world gets to hear. <laughs> uh, you know, you know how the Bible talks about how sometimes a fool isn't known if he keeps his mouth shut? <laughs> yeah, look. <laughs> look. <laughs> uh, yes, Minnie. Uh, that was epic. That was great. Moving on. You've, you've, just made our, you've just made our day. You've just made our day so much better. Yeah, good, good. That's, that's what I want to hear. It's good, it's this good is, for this something. This is positively different right now. Yeah, there we go. Laughter's <laughs> good medicine, yeah? That's, what they, that's the, what they like to tell that's me? That's what the Bible says. Yeah. Does it? I just thought that was the saying. Yes. No, the Bible says that laughter is good for you. But that oh. um, sadness dries the bones. Oh, yeah. And there's another one. What does it say? A merry heart does good like a medicine. Is that the same verse? Yeah, probably the same verse. verse. Uh uh-uh. uh. Maybe probably different translation. Yeah, it's like it's just you know laughter the best laughter is the best medicine is just like the the modern paraphrase. Yes. Of what the Bible says. Well, you know the Bible would know. Yeah, absolutely. Like yeah. Anyway, moving on to some stories. Um, okay, go for it. <laughs> okay, so at Kingston Beach, which I believe is in Tasmania. Yes, been there many times. Oh, okay, fantastic. So an eleven-year-old girl. Um, 
Oh, autocorrect is done something. But basically she found and saved a drought or drought board shark. Is that how I say it? Um, I've never seen one of these kind of sharks really? or heard of one of these kind of sharks. Oh, apparently they're plentiful down there. So I was like, well, no. <laughs> they're- probably what we call, used to call a gummy shark. Could be that. If you show me a picture, I'll tell you. Well, I don't have a picture. Have Maybe a, producer Liam Yeah, we'll have to dig up a picture of what this is. Um, yeah, those those guys on the screen, which you guys yeah, yeah, gummy shark. see. It's a gummy shark. Is okay, what it is. okay. Yeah, it's a gummy shark. So it doesn't have any teeth. It's got, got, just got gums. Yes, yeah. So they're it's not really shark. dangerous. Like, no, no, They're no. just kind of cute yeah. for a shark. Anyway, so uh, it got stranded be, because there were, was an outgoing tide and um, Billy, the 11-year-old girl, and her mum were walking down the – down the beach and they see this and so the 11 year old saw the shark wedged between two rocks in the shallows and went over to release it and her mum her mum said this doesn't nothing to do with animals surprises her with her daughter anymore because she's like I've learned to realize like this is the girl who she'll rescue the orphan the injured the you know whatever native species always seems to just somehow know like how to feed it how to take care of them how to keep it alive so the mum's like okay but she's still she still isn't a little bit in awe of her daughter. You know, when you just see somebody like, man, how, how big you? was this shark? Do we know? No, I don't know. That can grow to a decent size. It would be, um, yeah, a little bit, Look. a little bit intimidating, but take it by the tail and swing it out <laughs> into the ocean. <laughs> um, but yeah, and so, but, and she's had a, this girl, Billy, has had a toy of the scummy shark for, for years and years and years. So I, maybe it's not a favorite creature, but she likes them. So she wasn't scared about going up to it and maybe she knows a lot about it anyway. Um, but, yeah, so her mum just thinks it was great. And she was very thankful, though, that it was a gummy shark, not another, because her daughter probably still would have tried to help. Um, yes, yes, there are other sharks around there that if you grab them by the tail, they will grab you by the wrist. Brilliant. And kind of take your wrist off. Mm, less than ideal. Yeah. That wouldn't be the option I'd choose. No. No. Um but yeah, as I said, she she's had an interest in marine. Uh, sorry, this eleven year old has had an interest in marine life in particular, which is sparked by visiting the Marine Discovery Center Center at Woodbridge. Again, don't know where. Been that there, is. done that. Yep, I was like, you would school excursion back when I was a kid. Oh, <laughs> how far was that away from where you lived? Oh, that was probably a fair distance because you got to go up and down and around and about to get there. There's no sort of straight way of getting there. Probably fifty minutes, or, you know, thereabouts. Okay, that's a long way in Tasmania. Okay. <laughs> Okay. That's like pack your lunch distance. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No question about that. Yeah, yeah. I actually haven't been to Tasmania. It's the one state slash territory. Many. I know. Many. What is going on? It, I have no excuses. It's unbelievable. I concur. But. They've just opened the borders. I know. People arrived from Tasmania yesterday in my home. Oh. Yes. Family? Yes. Oh, yay. Hey, last Thanks- family. Thanksgiving this week. <laughs> Oh, that would do it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We did a cheeky early one last week. Uh huh. Mm, it was great. Well, it's Australia. You can have it whenever you want. Yes, I think, we I can. think Australia. I think Australia should um, Australianize it. Australianize it yep. and put it on the eighth of May. What's in May? Either that or put Australia Day there. Why? What's in May? The eighth of May. Eighth of May. Yeah, I don't know. Is that May eighth? May. Oh. <laughs> Mate Day. May eighth. Come on. It's got to be. This got to be when. I was like, I didn't get it. <laughs> Brilliant, brilliant. No. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm picking up what you I'd, I'd be open to that. That seems reasonable to me. See, it's, it's, it's one of those dates that no one can be offended by. No, absolutely. Because it's promoting everything that is positive. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, we just took a little detour. That's okay. We did. Where are we now? 
Well, where, did we, where did we end up? Where were we going? We were talking about sharks. We were talking about uh, Tasmania. We were talking about the promised land. <laughs> we were talking about Woodbridge in Tasmania. And oh, just this girl's a, interest was, yes. Yes. See, I actually, you know, I've not been to a marine whatever place, but I do love aquariums. I don't go, but I do find them very interesting places to be. So I can understand how you'd get fascinated by that if you went as a kid and saw all the interesting things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that was pretty much that story. And I was like, man, go you girl. Uh, another story is, so I just last week donated blood. Um, I try to do it every three months, not always onto it. It's great that they send me emails. And yeah, so just recently um, the blood blanks in Australia had been low. They only had two days supply worth. I don't know how much they normally have. Is this because of COVID, people staying home, yes. all that kind of thing? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so they kind of sent out a little bit of an urgent, um, hey, guys, come donate your blood. And there's a lot of people who only donate pretty much once a year around Christmas time. Um, and the main thing they wanted was O positive and O negative. In response, the people have come. So they had a record, they've had, they've exceeded records, um, even from when, do you remember when there was the Bali bombings? Yes. Yep. A bunch of people donated then. And with the bushfires, a bunch of people donated. Were the Bali bombings that long ago? It's been a while. Really? Wow. Yeah. But anyway, so they've had a bunch of people come in and, um, yeah, they're happy. It's okay. But I was just like, oh. How long does blood last for? I don't know. I ask them every time and forget every time. That's interesting. No, it's good to have our blood banks full and hopefully that will be lots and lots of lives saved. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Let's see what stories we can talk about this morning. Let's start in the Solomon Islands. These guys are my heroes this morning in a kind of way. They banned Facebook. So why is that? Okay, so what they've looked at is um, recent research that has come out which has shown that basically your social media algorithms – uh, have kind of gone wild and created a uh, vicious circle that is driving the world towards animosity and war. Mm. So we are the most polarised society that has existed for decades, if not centuries, mm. and that has been driven by the social media media algorithms. The Solomon Islands is one of these countries that is incredibly violent and they are also tribal. Mm. And so when you've got a country that's made up of multiple tribes and you're trying to have unity in a country like that and you've got a social media algorithm that is creating division. Yeah, furthering that. Mm. Then why would you have that? That's pretty amazing cool for them to ban it though. And why do you need it? Oh, yeah, for sure. So, you know, you sort of look at uh, like would that happen in Australia? Would that happen in the United States? I think there would be uproar if it did. And there's kind of uproar in the, in the Solomon Islands as well because 70% of their population is under the age of 30. That's huge. A very, very young country. Is very that, young country. What's the reason for that? Uh, diabetes. Okay. So people die quite young. Yes. Okay. Wow, though. Yeah, I can see why people maybe wouldn't love it. I mean, diabetes is one aspect of it, but, you know. Mm. Yeah, so you've got a lot of young people that are really bent out of shape and they're like, well, how are we going to communicate and how are we going to survive and how are we going to live? And the government's like, there are lots of, lots of other ways. Of, way. You will find a way. There are lots of other ways of doing this. But basically what uh, social media does is it creates an echo box. We like to be told that we're, that we're right. right. Yes. That's what we like. Mm. And so social media wants to give you what you like because it's going to – uh, give you uh, it, it wants to uh, it wants you to feel good. It wants you to get those positive endorphins that make you addicted and keep you coming back. And so it's going to figure out what you like, mm. and it's going to keep telling you 
what you like. But it means you never have to hear someone's perspective who you don't agree with, essentially. Is that what you mean? Yeah. 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 So you're in this little bubble that you don't actually know you're in because of this, this algorithm situation. So then when you meet someone who disagrees with you and you're like, you're just an idiot. No, That's no. Right. Because they're- Because also, everybody agrees with me. Yeah. Because they're being fed their own little bubble- and so this is part of this divisive thing that you're talking about, right? That's right. Mm. Absolutely. It makes sense. I don't have Facebook. I've got a myself messenger. I feel better when I'm on nothing. I'm, ooh, you know what I'd be curious about? That people aren't happy about it now, but I wonder in a few months' time if they'll just nationally have an increase in just feeling better and getting along. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, you know, I actually think that um, I think there's some very, very positive aspects to this. Uh, another country, of course, where Facebook is banned, that, and I don't know how many countries it's banned in, but I was in a country where I went to jump on Facebook and it didn't work. I'm like, what's going on? Went to go to Instagram. Didn't work. What's happening? Why is none of my social media working? Guess which country that was. I could guess. Go ahead. Maybe China? No. Oh. Oh. I've never, I've never been to China. Middle East? Somewhere? Yes. Oh. Where have you been? You've been to a few countries, yeah? Oh. The Islamic Republic of Iran. Okay. There you go. No. Interesting. interesting. Okay. So um, they have cited cyberbullying and online defamation as being some of the primary reasons that they are banning it. And, of course, you know, fake news because, hmm. you know, as they've pointed out, you just, you know, somebody spends decades building a reputation as being, you know, a, a, a pillar in society or whatever, and it's trashed in like 30 seconds on social media. Mm. And they're saying this is not fair. Um, they need to preserve national unity. Um, there's an algorithm there that's driving the world towards World War Three. They don't want to have a bar of it. Um, and, uh, yeah, also Papua New Guinea, Fiji and Samoa are considering doing the same thing. Wow. That's incredible. That's big, actually, this is that's actually really, really big. That's big news. Yeah, and I, you know, and there's, there's 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 two sides to this story because there's one side of it that says, well, no, we need to have freedom of speech, mm. and you know, I defend that tooth and nail. And then there's another side that says, okay, this social media is an addictive um, element in society that has not had a positive effect. So if it's not having a positive effect, why do we want to have it? Mm-hmm. It can mm-hmm. go. Bye bye. Yeah. Anyway, more to be had on that discussion, I am sure. Okay, somebody's texted in with the correct answer for bragging rights for the for the quiz. Um, so we've got at least one one there so far. Let's see how many more people can get it. Okay, uh, Latrobe University study uh, uh, looking at uh, the use of alcohol during uh, the pandemic during mm-hmm. the lockdown. Guess which sector of society has increased the most in their alcohol consumption during the pandemic and which and which sector has decreased the most? Um, specifically, I don't know. Okay, so uh, <laughs> middle-aged mothers are the ones who have increased alcohol consumption the most. Okay. Yep. Wow. Uh, particularly homeschooling mothers. Huh. Guess which okay. sector of society has decreased their alcohol use the most during the pandemic? Young people under the age of 30. Okay, I'm not going to lie. That surprises me actually a lot. Okay, but here's how it works. Okay. Young people under the age of 30 drink the bulk of their alcohol at pubs and parties. Ah, social drinking. Yes. Yes. Whereas mums, and particularly mums that got suddenly thrown into homeschooling, mm-hmm. were drinking to de-stress. 
Yeah, yeah. And so while some areas of drinking actually went down because pubs and clubs were closed, um, what did go up and what's dangerous is that people developed a habit of drinking at home. Yeah. Now, drinking at home is where alcoholism happens. Absolutely. Um, pubs and clubs is, you know, social drinking. That's where binge drinking happens. But when you have an increase of drinking at home, that's an increase of alcoholism. So that's a little bit of a worry. Um, on that same subject, of course, there are seven dead and two in a coma in Russia as a result of drinking hand sanitizer at a party, 69% alcohol content. And in the US, there's three dead and two have gone blind from the same thing. Yeah, so people what? get a little bit desperate when they can't get their alcohol, and that's what alcoholism will do. Alcoholism is an ad- alcohol is an addictive, dangerous drug wow. that is powerful, and it will kill you. It is a, cars- uh, a class one carcinogen, and something we should be avoiding at all costs. Mm. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Well, joining us in the studio this morning for one of our favourite uh, sections here on Faith FM is Dr. Sven Erstring to talk about all kinds of difficult questions. Dr. Erstring, welcome to the show. Good to be back, Lyle. Fantastic to have you back. What are we talking about today? I understand that there's this um, actually uh, this question that goes around, how do you choose a church? That's exactly right. And, and the big issue is this, is that if you drive down any city in Australia, New Zealand, uh, the United States or United Kingdom, wherever, yes. anywhere in the world, you will uh, pass by literally hundreds of different churches. Yes. You know, and places of worship even. You know, places of, of worship, Yes. Yes. Of of uh, of other faiths, yes, exactly, and and um, you know I saw recently a stat, a statistic I should say, uh, that they say that there's forty three thousand denominations. Now that may be way over the top. What? Christian denominations. Christian denominations. So how many? I would believe that forty three thousand. That's a lot. So particularly when if you go back one hundred and sixty, one hundred and seventy years, and there's about fifty. Is this including some branches? I think, was, I think, I think in the yes. 1840s, okay. 1850s, there was I think there was 52 different denominations. 52. That's a huge yeah. increase. <laughs> Even 52 is a lot. 52 <laughs> is a solid amount. That's right. You, know, you go back before that and you've got, uh, well, a whole lot less again. Because the, the fact wow. is this, is that you would think that there should be one church. You would. There's, there's only one Bible, so you would think there should only be one church. And this is something yes. people have a question about, right? They're like, you know, if it is the one Bible, why are there so many churches? It's, a, it's right. a fair question. That's right. That's right. So so how do you choose, how do you know which one is the true church? That is the, the question we want to explore today. It's a good question. A lot of people just sort of, uh, they sort of look at the 43,000 different churches and go, well, you know what? Um, God understands I'm just going to pick one that I feel like going to and that makes me feel happy. Well, the closest one would be a good start. Yes. Mm. Geography. Down the road. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Or or the one that, as you said, makes you feel good. You know, Flavor. Best show. You know, uh, you really like the coffee there, you know, mm. or you, people are really friendly. Um, but, you know, the, the reality is that people are pretty friendly at the Mormon church or the Muslim mosque. This is very true. I've been to both, and people are super friendly at both. So, so the thing is you can't just go by how friendly people are. Though being friendly is a really good thing. And, and the thing is that coffee 
Yeah, I, I wouldn't recommend you know it. What, you know what was the? And this is an interesting thought. What was the? What was the least friendly place of worship you've ever been to? The least place, least friendly place of worship I've ever been to, was actually a Shinto temple where they kind of looked at me like, "What are you doing here?" <laughs> and I felt really uncomfortable. Like, oh, I'm, I'm curious. What? I'm not allowed to be here. Well, I think Minnie's thinking, "What were you doing there?" No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> but no, no. I want to come down to to. There's a very, very simple answer, and you referred to it before. But I just want to remind you: the the thing is, if you want to know which is the true church, you need to go back to the Bible. Mm. The Bible is the standard for which is the true church, and there's a very famous verse uh, which you would know well: Isaiah chapter eight and verse twenty, to the law and to the testimony. If they do not speak according to this word, it's because there's no light in them. Hmm. Okay, so what if you find a church that does speak to the law, does uphold the law of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ, the writings of the prophets, and yet it's kind of really cold and unfriendly or even kind of nasty? Those churches do exist. They do. They do. And this comes back to a Bible study that Minnie and I did a uh, few weeks ago, or a week yes, because so. you were yeah. filling in, which was just amazing. And, and in in John, uh, Jesus tells the woman at the well in mm. Samaria, he says, "We need to worship God in spirit and, and in truth. truth, and in yeah. truth, absolutely, both, both so, of them together." Mm. But I want to dive a little bit deeper and say why why should the Bible be the test? Why 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 the Bible? Why why not the Bhagavad Gita or, or the Quran. Right. Okay. Or the Book so, of Mormon. So, yes, there are quite a number of different holy books, so mm. to speak. Yes. Um, or what people would call holy books out there, um, which are the foundation of various religions. Why the Bible? Why the Bible? Yeah, good question. Mm. Good question. Okay. So, so let's dive into this. And I want to say it actually t- it takes us back to the very character and the existence of God. So if we, and it goes back to a guy called Richard Swinburne, um, who was a professor at Oxford University, and um, he explored the ideas of um, if we look at the evidence around us with regards to the existence of God, and we've talked about these many times, DNA and, and the origin of the universe, he said, what's the, what's the likelihood, what's the probability that God actually exists? And he says, it's actually really, really high. Hmm. Put all of that together, the probability that an all-powerful, um, omniscient, all-knowing, um, all uh, just all ever present um, God who is morally perfect and loving exists, he says, is really, really high. And and that is corresponds to the fact that if you go around the world, um, most people actually believe in a God. Mm. They believe in a higher power. Yes, atheism is uh, like what seven percent of the population of the world, something like that. Mm. Very, very low. Very small. Very, very, very low. So, so um, we are not only naturally wired to believe in God, but the evidence around us all points to the existence of God. So let's, let's push this line of reasoning forward. If God is morally perfect and all-loving as well, then don't you think there's a really high probability or it makes a lot of sense that he would actually want to reveal himself to us 
so that we could get to know him. Mm, mm. I would say that if God is morally morally perfect, then there is a moral requirement that he does so. Yes. Mm. And, and Interesting. And this is also another point. Is it's um, C.S. Lewis went into room, and they um, they're, they're having this discussion about world religions, exactly what we're talking about here. And they said to him, "What is the difference between Christianity and the other world religions?" And he said, "That's easy." They'd been discussing it for a while, and C.S. Lewis, Oxford University professor, said, "It's easy." He said, "It's grace. It's God's." gift to us of love, God coming to us. And this makes so much sense that, that, you know, so many of the other world religions say we need to make the steps towards God. But I don't know, have you ever, have you ever gone up in a plane and, and actually looked down at the world? I mean, how big are our houses and our cars? They are specs from about 42,000 feet. They're really, really hard to make out. Which is about as high as I've been. That's the highest I've been in an aeroplane. You haven't been to the moon yet? Not yet. Okay. So, so the point is this. The point is this. Yet being the operative word. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> You're getting there. You're getting there. Absolutely. But the, but the point is this. Is, is, does it really make sense that we as what well, almost looks like ants you know, on this planet, would, would, the requirement would be on us to actually be able to reach out to God? Does that make sense? No, not at all. It would be God reaching down to us. That's right, because he is God, he is all-powerful. We are humans and we are non-powerful. And if he is morally perfect, then he's going to reach our direction rather than That's stand correct. back and say, well, you've got to reach me. That's right. Mm. So then, then let's uh, push this one step fur- further, which would be this. Do you think that God would just suddenly appear, like, you know, kind of, hey, you know, a- a- in, in surprise? Do you think he would do that? Yeah, that might be a little bit counterproductive. It might be counterproductive. Because I think, I think there would be automatic suspicion. Mm. Yes. You know, you see these alien movies where an alien suddenly appears and turns up and there is a lot of suspicion that is involved with that. You know, where, 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 what's the agenda behind this? So, so whereas do- whereas if, if the alien had, you know, for you know, several thousand years have been sending messages saying, and I'm saying this is who I am and this mm. is what I'm doing and this is what I'm, I'm going to come and preparing for his arrival, then you'd have much better understanding and picture of an understanding of the agenda of that particular individual when they turned up. So don't you think that an all-knowing, all-powerful God who's morally perfect and loving would actually start to prepare the way and give us um, clues and identifiers as to when he's coming and who he is? Mm. Okay, this is, this is a perspective on the return of Jesus Christ that I have never, ever <laughs> heard before, and it is literally blowing my mind right now. So, so the point is this, is that, that God would not only reveal himself as, as a person that we could, we could touch and, and see and converse with, but he would also do it in a way that he was preparing us to, to be able to meet him, to identify him, to say, yes, that, that really is God's, God's chosen person, God's Messiah, shall I say. Mm. So basically the Bible then and the message of the Bible and in particular the message of the return of Jesus Christ in the Bible is a moral requirement of any moral being who is God. It, it, it's totally consistent with his character. 
It is what you'd expect a morally perfect. From a morally perfect, yes. And all-loving God. And so what you have here is the, the Bible is God's um, kind of pathway forward. Um, in our case, of course, now it's in, in the history, much of it. But, but it's a pathway forward to say, I am coming the first time and even the second time so that you can be prepared to meet me. And you know which, who I am. Which also then makes sense why it's really important that as churches we have a, the Bible as a basis, right? That's right. So that we can know who and what this God is about. That's right. And if you go to Revelation chapter 19 and verse uh, verse 10, it says, For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Mm. And just, look, that's really deep. We could go so much deeper to understand the true church. But just on a simple, superficial level, what it's saying is the whole of the whole book of the Bible is the story of Jesus from beginning to end, from Genesis chapter one, in the beginning was was God and the Word, and all the way to the end as well. And and the thing is this: for a God who's morally perfect, he'd be consistent as well. He would never lie. He would never he would never tell us something and then go, ah, I surprise you. I'm going to take you over here. And so, if we're looking for the true church, we need to follow the consistent message of God's revelation down through history for thousands of years. Mm. And that is why the Bible is so important. You know, the Quran is. Uh, contradictory to the Bible, to who Jesus is. The, the Book of Mormon is historically and archaeologically in, inconsistent. The Bhagavad Gita is, is, um, has so many moral problems, shall I say. You know, it's only the Bible which is a reliable revelation of a God who's morally perfect and loving as well. And it's such a unique book. I mean, it's written by so many different people, and mm. yet it has that consistency that goes right the way through it. Whereas, you know, you look at the at the Quran, which is, you know, the, the collections of the writing of one person, and yes. you would expect a level of consistency. Um, whereas the Bible, you've got 44 probably different authors, and you've got that amazing consistency all the way through. That's remarkable. Mm. And, and this is the amazing thing, is that the Bible is not only a history of God's revelation, it's also God's revelation of the future as well. Yeah. And, and so if we're looking for a, for a church, which is true, we'd go back to that verse, to the law and to the testimony. If they do not speak according to this word, it's because there is no light in them. To the law and the testimony. Very, very important. And then if we were to go to, uh, to, to Revelation, uh, chapter 14, um, there's another, another key verse because it actually identifies and it points out, it says, in, in total alignment with Isaiah. So, so this, is, this is 600 years earlier, almost 700 years earlier. And it says, here is the patience of the saints, God's chosen people. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. So that what we see here is this, this revelation of a God of love, a morally perfect being who could see us and could see that we did not have the capacity to reach out to him. Mm. I mean, it, it's, it's a bit like saying, you know, there's a 747. I know that they're, you know, they're, they're starting to retire all the 747s. But it's a bit like saying there's a 747 in the sky and we've got to reach up to, to it. It's not going to happen. It's ever. just not going to happen. Mm. You know the 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 responsibility, the the um, the the effort, shall I say, the need 
is for God to reach down to us. And that's what God that's exactly has done. exactly what God does. That's amazing. Dr. Zven Erstring, thank you so much for sharing with us here on Faith FM this morning. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.